Welcome to the hashtag blessed version of the Millennial Pastor Podcast. I'm your talent, Byron, and I'm also mm-hmm. serving this week as moderator for the episode. So who do I have with us on the line? You go Matt first. Or Moose, Moose. Yeah. As, as everybody Prophet called Moose me. Prophet of course. And? And, and Josiah. I was actually going to steal the talent thing. I was going to say I'm the talent. But thing. you're not the talent, Josiah. I'm always the talent. Sometimes <laughs> I actually just so have to I'm do just... some work. I'm the, I'm the afterthought. You're, so I'm the, you're the author today. of the book. That's what you get. You, okay. you have a book That's that cute. you wrote. To, 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 enjoy it. You Just started it all, Josiah. <laughs> this this is cute. all your fault, Josiah, as I like to say. Thanks. Uh, Thanks, so guys. Anyway, um, so we are a little short today uh, as far as people to be on the podcast. We had some issues with uh, scheduling and everything, but we're going to make do. So um, I wanted to kind of – I know our, our last couple of hashtag bus have been a little bit different. But I kind of want to go back to our old platform, or, the, or at least the old way we did it, and start out with like something that happened this week. So I want okay. I want to start with Moose, um, and I'm gonna ask him the question. Then Josiah, can you start the? the... I'll start it right now. Okay, yeah, ready? go for it. Start it. All right. Five minutes. All right, timer. Moose. Daylight savings time. Is it evil? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. I think it is. All right, well, then real quick, Josiah, do you think it's evil? <laughs> Amen, yes. Okay. Uh, absolutely okay, so another actual question I do actually have. About, so uh, there are two states in the, in the union that do not practice this ridiculous thing, and one of them is where I'm from and Josiah's from, Arizona, and where yep. I currently reside. The other is it's a, a Christian state. Yeah, the other is a state that I lived <laughs> in for two years after college, so I didn't have to do it there, and that's Hawaii. Um and so every time I see all these posts about these memes and all this stuff about the daylight savings, I just kind of laugh because it doesn't affect me in any way. But I do want to know how it does actually affect the church in a practical way. So as pastors mm-hmm. who deal with, you know, trying to get people, not necessarily because you want butts and seats, but like you want people to be at your church so you can share with them and, you know, build a congregation and do all the things we've talked about, you know, being an actual people of God. So how does daylight savings affect you? Because it always switches on Saturday night into Sunday morning. Uh, Moose, why don't you start? Uh, yeah, I don't know if I've actually ever looked at like if if our you know our attendance is down on those specific Sundays, uh, but I can tell you that I think our, you know our bulletin announcement actually lets people know about it i don't know how other people know about daylight savings to change other than the church bulletin yeah <laughs> and you always post on um, facebook too i always love because you do it a lot because you want to remind people and i just laugh at you in particular because it's a thing that you have to do in ohio well i use i use a share meme and uh and then i think i've i don't know what the other ones i've used but yeah like if i, I like could turn back memes. time the share the share one Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, my wife posted that once as well. So it's, it's all so, about you, um, just uh, in a practical way. Do you think it affects your church or your congregation at all? So forget the congregation for a minute. It affects me because I have four kids and they don't that's, care that's what point. time just suddenly <laughs> shifted. So that is the that's why it's evil, because guess what? A two year old is like, oh, the clock says seven and not six now. I don't care. This is when I wake up like. So this, we just fell back. So if you're unfamiliar with daylight savings, because you're 
in God's country, Arizona slash Hawaii, <laughs> then basically we just gained, quote unquote, an hour of sleep. Now, it's almost diabolical for a young parent because it's like, oh, I'm going to bed tonight thinking that I'll actually get an extra hour of sleep. But instead, what happens is you wake up an hour earlier um, because of what your phone says. So psychologically, you wake up with this, oh, snap, I'm waking up even earlier. But then you take about 20 minutes to really get your bearings and go, wait, no, this is the time that I woke up yesterday. It's just that now my cell phone's lying to me about what time it is. So it's, seriously, <laughs> it's like the most infuriating thing in the world because my two-year-old, he could give a rip about daylight savings. Um, so kids don't it, – it, it, my favorite memes about daylight savings have to do with being a parent. It's like, yeah, who cares? My kids wake up when the sun rises, so it does not matter what you say the time is. <laughs> um, That's fair. But as, as far as the church goes, I mean, when you spring forward is when you lose an hour of sleep in, in theory. Um, so you, you lose an hour on a Saturday night. Sunday. It's technically Sunday morning at like 2 a.m., I think. Yeah. So it either goes – 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. in spring, or it goes 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m. in fall, because um, my wife actually has worked these night shifts before. Uh, and oh, that's weird. Yeah, so It'd be like weird sometimes to work she, for sure. In either way, she gets paid 12 hours, whether she actually works 12 hours or not, which is kind of funny. So um, oh. I, I think if maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. I have to ask her on that. But uh, no matter what. Uh, I think I've noticed the spring forward one, there's a little less people because the fall back one around here seems to be the one that's like, oh, hey, I have extra time to sleep. I will show up. So this last Sunday, I mean, for us, it was there was more people this last Sunday than there. I was going to ask that weeks, because so. I remember when I was in Kansas City in my like mid to late 20s, I loved it in, in the fall because it meant I got an extra hour of sleep. Um, I, didn't, I don't have kids. That's a big practical difference in our lives. Um, but in the, the spring, I absolutely hated it because it just like who wants to have one less hour of sleep? So there's uh, there's a few churches that actually have um, practically dealt with the spring losing of an hour. And what they've done is they, they actually uh, keep their service or they move it up or they, they don't they push it back. Technically, yeah, they push it back an hour so that people don't have to worry about the extra hour of sleep. So if their, their service normally started at 1030, they actually started at 1130 the, the weekend that that one weekend to starts. kind of make up for it. Yeah. That makes sense. That's okay. a good idea. Yeah. Time's up it by is. the way. Did you guys yep. hear the timer? Okay. I did. Yes. Okay. So, so that was segment <coughs> one. Segment two. Um, so we've been talking the last couple of weeks, we've talked about some things. We talked about Halloween and like culture, quote unquote, culture wars or how people, how Christians deal with that. Um, we've talked about Kanye and appropriation and all these other things about like Christian culture, but I wanted to ask, I'm going to start with Moose. Um, playing favorites. Or, sorry. I mean, I meant Josiah. Sorry. Oh, My okay, notes were cool. Bad. The, um, then we're not playing me favorites. all the time, by the way, though, just so you know, it happens a lot, <laughs> but I'm not trying to do it on purpose. Anyway, I wanted to talk about that term culture wars or maybe not the term. I don't know but I want to actually talk about how we as Christians interact with culture in a meaningful way that is not judgmental because we've talked to a lot of people and a lot of times we get that negative, like, Oh yeah, Christians just judge me. And um, I don't know if anybody, anybody has able to listen to it yet, but our, our last long form that just came out a few days ago, we talked about some of this with Jason. Um, so I want to, I mean, I just, what, what is your opinion? How does the church as a, as a, as a pastor, 
but as a Christian, how do you lead people to help them understand that being judgmental doesn't help change any lives? Like, how should we act as Christians in the world, I guess? That's what I really want to know. Uh, so I'll just use the most recent practical example I have, I guess. Um, Halloween, it's not as common uh, an issue as much as it once was, perhaps. Um, for me as a kid, it wasn't an issue. So that's kind of the irony is I grew up in like the churchiest family you might ever meet. Um, and we went to church all the time, did all the things. I wasn't allowed to read Harry Potter. So I was like one of the culture war things, right? But I could read Chronicles of Narnia because C.S. Lewis was a Christian and J.K. Rowling obviously isn't and yada, 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 all the assumptions and judgments. But um, the culture war for for a day of the year, I just what I did practically, I guess, for this person was kind of just because they were seeking advice from their pastor. Like, well, you let your kids trick or treat. I'm like, well, yeah, why wouldn't I? So uh, we just had a conversation about it. And and truly the conversation I thought went OK, but it basically it started at a point of obviously if you take your kids trick or treating, you're a pagan and you're a <laughs> Satan worshiper. And it ended with a huh, maybe I don't know much as much about the history of, of October 31st or November 1st and what All, Hallow, All Hallows Eve and All Saints Day is and why this is a day that things happen on anyways. So for me, I think a lot of the combating of culture wars from within the church, um, I, I've had the most success with just purely educating people on some assumptions they have made that may be incorrect. So, You mean they can't just read things on Facebook? No. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> don't, don't let you, uh, I've said this too. We went through a whole series on, on revelation and there's a whole lot of culture wars that I think um, springboard from a bad eschatology or just a study of the end times or belief about what's going to happen in the future. I'm like, don't just let that preacher on the Jesus channel be your theological framework. Don't just take everything anyone ever says as gospel truth. Maybe actually read the Bible for yourself and with some discernment and some community start to understand, oh, maybe I shouldn't have made those assumptions about some of those things. So a lot of the times it's just poor assumption making and rash judgments, yeah. I, I think. But. Well, that was, a, uh, by the way, just said that was a very big word. I'm proud of you. Um, Thanks, pal. Right, I didn't Moose. go to seminary. <laughs> Moose, what about you? <laughs> what do you? How do you think we can practically address these things in, real, in the real world? Yeah, I think... Um... You know, in particular within the church body and things, I think sharing some some of the origins of, of some of the traditions that we have in in our culture and, and sort of revealing that, oh, the, the the holiday that you think is so evil actually originally started as a Christian holiday. And when we celebrate Christian or Christmas actually started out as a pagan holiday, yeah. and we Christianized it, you know, like all these different kinds of concepts of. Well, a Christmas tree is actually a, that comes from the pagan side of yeah, yeah. All the green, all of these all the Yule, yep, yeah. So all these different kinds. I mean, there, there's ways to just sort of reveal the the historical uh, part of it. I think the biggest thing about um, you know li dealing with culture wars is recognizing that just because a culture does something doesn't mean that we have we just sit back and we say, eh, I'm not going to be a part of that. And uh, that's just so bad and all these different <laughs> kinds of things when it's an opportunity to potentially meet people right where they are. Um, something that, I mean, since Halloween just happened, um, a lot of churches do trunk or treat as some type of alternative, right, to, to trick or treat, which 
Um, How is that different? This is, uh, <laughs> like, well, it's, it's not different at all, but I think what I've heard from a number of parents in, in the places where I've ministered is that they're going to take their kids trick-or-treating, and then they're going to take their kids to, to school with their costumes on, and then they're also going to take the kids to trunk-or-treat. So you're adding a busyness to your parents who are already too busy as it is, and we're, we're saying, hey, you should take Sabbath and stuff like that, and the church is basically piling on an extra bit into their lives and things like that. Like, well, so there's parts of there's parts of the culture that that we're we're combating, but then we we also make worse yeah. and things of that nature. That, that and that's one of the things that I like that I inherited at the church that I'm at now. Um, the Halloween outreach that we do is on on the night of trick or treat. We don't do something separate. We have people who just come through our neighborhood. And we meet people while they're out in the community. It's we don't have to say, "Oh, come to our separate thing." Hey, we're meeting you right while you're out in our neighborhood. And when they say trick or treat, do you give them Jesus and have to figure out if it's a trick or a treat? Oh my goodness! No, we, <laughs> Sorry, that's all I can think about when you're saying that. That's terrible. But that's where I was at. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even. I didn't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> Probably that's, like a lot of our, that's a lot of our conversations. Just, let's be real. Okay. <laughs> so okay, I, I like the way you guys answered that. Uh, and so then, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about that at all was because the next topic I want to cover is the prosperity gospel. And we talk about culture wars. I think the prosperity gospel and evangelicalism as a whole have kind of been wrapped up in prosperity. And like, oh, we're we're better than you. We're going to wall ourselves off from the rest of the world. Um, so <clears throat> I was kind of hoping we could talk about how the prosperity gospel tends to prey on people with very little income and people who don't have hope. But it's this idea. It's a, it's this like fake wrapped up. Oh, here's Jesus. But it's not really Jesus. Um, and so I don't know. I mean, I guess you could volunteer because there's only two of you. Who wants to go first? And like, can you give us a good description of prosperity gospel if you can? And I have a fun story that sort of does that. I'll, I can go first. That would real be quick. perfect. So yeah, let's go ahead and do that. And so I don't have any real questions. I might ask something specifically, but I just want to talk about what the prosperity gospel is and how it's really it preys on those who don't have hope. So go ahead, so- Joshua. The prosperity gospel for me is best encapsulated by a meme, uh, get rich or die trying. And instead of it being, was it 50 cent? It's Joel Osteen. So uh, it also has a, there's another Joel Osteen meme where it just says straight out of context. So I'll pick on Joel Osteen. Basically prosperity gospel boiled down is uh, God just wants you happy and rich. And that's what the Bible does is like a self-help to get happy and rich. And so most of the proponents of the prosperity gospel, in my humble opinion, are very wealthy because they do that. They prey on people that are lacking hope. So one of the one of the more famous historical people that did this, and this is where the brief story comes into play, was Peter Popoff. Um, he was a faith healer guy, and <laughs> and he basically he basically Byron's part of the story, and he basically uh, he would prey on people's hopes. Uh, people would fill out these prayer cards, come to his crusades in the '80s. He got outed in the '90s or late '80s or something like that, but he's back. He's still doing this stuff. Um, but he would basically uh, con people into thinking they were healed or, you know, work up an emotional fervor to where adrenaline actually did help them be pain. A whole bunch of stuff. His most recent thing, though, um, is basically if you give to his ministries, all your finances will be taken care of. So he'll play these infomercials. And they played while we were in college. 
Um, so I don't know if he's still doing it today, but at least 10 years ago, this was happening. Um, and he basically offered, hey, if you just call today, I will offer you this free vial of Miracle Spring Water. Or go to my uh, website to get this free thing of Miracle Spring Water, sprinkle it on your bills, and God will take care of it. And then immediately after that would be all these, oh my goodness, I did the Peter Popoff thing, and, and then a check in the mail for $10,000 anonymously showed up in my mailbox, and all these miraculous stories. However, since we were in training to be pastors, and we're maybe a little bit <laughs> wise to the prosperity gospel stunt, we did a thing where we decided to sign up our friends that we went to class with for the miracle spring water thing because what we knew would happen is that they would be on this mailing list where peter popoff's little <laughs> ministry would never endingly send letters to whoever you signed them who signed up for the ministry and ask for money and literally i, I can't remember they lost count like basically in, in a couple of weeks they got 40 different letters or something like that but i think we did that yeah to it Alan was Hickman. yeah we did it to a couple people but that was terrible the best part though is they all had on-campus addresses so I kind of hope that someone in that room in that random dorm is still getting these things <laughs> still addressed to Alan Hickman <laughs> 10 years later. <laughs> yeah, that was a bad prank you know, that we used to It's <laughs> just mean, but yeah. Oh. You know, he, he's, he's not wrong. I mean, you sprinkle that water over your bills and your bills become wet and <laughs> not readable anymore. So it They do kind of disappear in a sense, yeah. The ink will run and you can't read it. It's like Michael Scott declaring bankruptcy. <laughs> um, the office. There's your little office reference. Sorry. All right. Look at <laughs> us. <laughs> Guys, look at us. Gay memes. We're millennials. Right. Go ahead, Moose. What do you think? What do you got for us? Yeah, I think um, we we talk a lot about prosperity gospels and, and how it, it lends itself to the money-making scheme on it. But um, the, 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 the belief, or if you even want to say, quote-unquote, theology, that it does to people is that it, um, it causes people to look at things that are out of their control. And, and basically these preachers say, uh, you just have to have enough faith in this, or me, or whatever it might be, or it could just be God. And it's going to be taken care of and you, you are going to get rich and you just, you, you know, you do all these different kinds of, of things. And, and again, it's, it's, it's preying upon that hope or lack thereof. But the other side of it is, is that when nothing happens, um, when, when nothing does happen, even though they had this great faith, what, what ends up happening is they question the even God or, you know, it does God exist? Cause I've been praying and I've had this faith and, and, and it's, it's basically a, a way to deal with suffering in, in one of the most unhealthy ways possible. Basically it turns it into a blaming on my own faith that what I'm experiencing, the suffering that I'm having, the, the sickness that I have, the bills that don't get paid, it's all, it all comes back to my own personal faith and it leaves prosperity preachers just high and dry saying, well, you know, I'm rich and everything's taken care of in my life. And, and that's, that puts people in, in a really, really terrible position, a, a, a place that, that leads to, to atheism guaranteed or, or worse, they, they believe in, they believe something about God that isn't true about him. Yeah. You hear <clears throat> recent 
oh, what, how, a couple months ago, Kenneth Copeland had that really interesting and bizarre interaction with that reporter. Um, and there was a guy before that, and I can't remember his name, but essentially they were being caught up in some scandal outside of their churches because they were doing exactly what you're talking about, Moose. Um, what they were creating was this kind of narrative that obviously God is blessing our church and he wants to bless you and you, you need to be a part of what he's doing. And I need a Learjet. Like they're somehow able to work all of that theological gymnastics into a, and I need my fifth Learjet. And it's well, and that one, that mu- one's a better jet because it can go further. So he doesn't have to stop anywhere to get gas because he's in such a good, a big hurry to do the work of God. He needs yeah. another jet. And yes. People bought into that, which is yeah. terrible. I mean, he got blasted on the internet and like other people have called him out too, but he doubled down on it too, though. Like he was like, no, this is what God, this is God needs me to have this jet so I can do good things. And it's an overly simplistic theological perspective, and I'm going to bring it up because I was told it's in my headspace, but that's where I feel like well, Kanye is at right can now. Can I stop you for one second? <laughs> sure. I'm not going to say it's overly simplified. It's a lie. It is not sure. theological at all. It is a lie. But yes, go ahead with what you were saying, because I, no. I know it's burning on your brain. I think they prey on something that's real, though, because you know the Bible talks about God giving good things, right? Yeah, like the Bible absolutely. says that God cares about us, loves on us, so uh, it's... Yeah, it's it comes from that wisdom part of the Old Testament. Whereas, if you have, if you if you're righteous, if you have wisdom, if you if you do this, your life will be good. And it, it puts this into an equation. But they always forget, you know, Job is also a book of wisdom. Yes, and Job <laughs> and had a terrible life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, so so go ahead, I, go ahead with your head. I have problems. to. I've, I've been told that I can't get over. <laughs> Honestly, I. I really don't obsess about it as much as we're joking about, but just recently Kanye dropped his thing and the, that wasn't a, even a big deal. I watched a carpool karaoke, James Corden. I, th- I think that stuff's pretty funny, uh, but there was a carpool karaoke Kanye edition. And of course it had to be on Kanye's private 747 with Kanye's church choir and everything. Um, and there, instead of singing Kanye hits, his choir just sang. And then he did a couple rap songs and stuff. So anyways, in it, though, he, he basically just laid out a very simplistic prosperity gospel pitch where he said, hey, man, before I submitted my life to Jesus, which for the record, in 2004, college dropout dropped and he talked about some of the same stuff and songs like Jesus Walks. So I have some trouble with that. Anyways, um, he basically said, oh, no, now I'm really like following Jesus and everything. And I, you can tell it's real because last year I lost 35 mil. This year I got a 60, $68 million federal tax return. Or I can't remember. I'm like, you know what? You could say that's God. I'm going to say that's just the current administration. <laughs> I'm just going to say that's the current political uh, uh, landscape um, to try to equate, oh, see, God is blessing me. I got a tax return. Uh, it's just problematic for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like... I, my my thought was like, man, I owed a lot of money last year for taxes. What did I do? Seriously. Wrong? Well, your faith obviously. wasn't big enough, Moose. That's clearly yeah, the problem. You, your faith was lacking, <laughs> obviously. Um, I, Every I, pastor's is because none of us are rich, right? Except for <laughs> Kenneth Copeland and a couple guys. So I do want to point out, too, someone who's been a big fan of the prosperity gospel for their, their whole ministry is Benny Hinn. And he got called out in a book and publicly by his nephew because it became like a family thing. Like they were all involved and he came out and said, this is terrible. This is wrong. He's preying on the poor to get rich. 
Um, and then a couple weeks after that all kind of happened, Benny Hinn himself came out and said, you know what? He's right. I'm doing this wrong. Um, now, that being said, I haven't followed up with that story much, so I don't know what he's doing. Like, if he's going to, you know, donate a bunch of money to help actually help people, or if he's just going to be like, oh, I screwed up, so I'll keep it. Um, I mean, like, I've heard a lot of people talk about the, the story of Zacchaeus. Like, he was defrauding people, and he said, you know what? I, I was wrong. I'm going to pay back everybody. It's not it's not just going to be what I owe them. It's going to be more. Um mm-hmm. And that, that's an actual encounter with Christ. Now, yes, he literally met Christ. But when people talk about new faith, I think we need to be able to see they will not be perfect by any means. Like we talked about with Kanye. If he's a Christian, awesome. He's clearly not perfect. Not that we are either. But, like, he's still doing some old patterns. But, like, if you have an authentic Jesus encounter, things should be changing. There should be some fruit. So, Maybe don't sell $165 sweatshirts at your church. I don't know. Well, church with air quotes. <laughs> church Maybe, with maybe air quotes. you have someone who leads your worship <laughs> services who actually has a theological background. <laughs> That's a big part for me. Actually having, if you, if you want to do what you're doing and get the gospel out in different ways, that's awesome. You have to have some tradition yeah, and, and some history and someone who knows what they're talking about. It's not a heretic. And I've seen some posts that there might be some of that happening. I hope so. Um, and things like that coming back to, for coming back to yay. Um, <laughs> it's interesting that you brought up Benny Hinn since this past weekend was Benny Hinn Sunday where we all fall. Oh my <laughs> That's goodness. Right, I forgot yeah. about that. Oh I'm from Arizona. <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> That's right. But in any case, um, but yeah, I think, um, you know, coming back to, to, to all of it. Yeah. I think there, there has to be, <clears throat> It, this also plays into our concept or our, our conversation about culture wars. Parts of our culture have found their way into theology and into pop theology. And I, I, I really encourage people to read this book. Um, Everything happens for a reason and other lies that I've loved. Mm. It's by Kate Bowler. And um, she's a, she's a professor at Duke and, and she worked on the history of the prosperity gospel but this book is more of a memoir where, where she deals with a battle of cancer. And I don't need to tell you everything about it. Either way, something I did learn, though, is that prosperity gospel comes really from an American culture that we can do everything on ourselves. And the, the, the just having it, if I have enough faith, then everything else will come into place and all these different kinds of things. That's basically our our way to deal with stuff that we can't control basically, or we are controlling it because we don't have enough faith. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And it's terrifying. And, and it is, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy to, to think that, that this pop theology that we are seeing continuously, and it's very popular. Let's, let's really be honest about yeah. it. It's pop, it's, it's popular among people who don't have hope and send money. It's also popular among people who have money and have no they're looking for a reason to do what they want to do instead of be generous and and giving of themselves to others um so that others would not have any needs which is that's that's what the the new testament community was about they they gave to each other so that nobody would have any needs and when they noticed there was corruption or issues maybe not corruption but like some people weren't getting what they needed because of language barriers or whatever they address those issues. It wasn't a sweep it under the rug and just deal with people you like and people you 
think are better. They dealt with social issues. They, they dealt with racial issues because those were not just people from the same culture. And we have to be a, a church that loves justice and tries to help people. Um, oh yeah, as, as the apostle Paul says, um, you know, the body of Christ, we must, um, uh, bring up the, 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 the weakest parts of our body. We must bring, we must take care of those. Yeah. That's, when one that's part exactly suffers, we all suffer. When is. one is glorified, we all, uh, are, well, receive glory. I can't remember how, how it's worded exactly, but there is a real life example that frustrates me to no end because it has to do with pre Josiah. Um, my mom, uh, she, I was, I'm the oldest of four, but I was my mom's fourth pregnancy. Um, and she was in a church that sort of had some of that, uh, pop culture, pop theology, prosperity, gospel influences. And she was told time and time again, it was due to a lack of faith or, um, or unforgiven sins that she hasn't confessed that she had had numerous uh, oh. miscarriages back to back to back. She had three miscarriages oh, back goodness. to back to back. I was the fourth pregnancy. And I'm the one that actually took. And so from that, it, it turned into a fun story because, like, I'm going to college and my mom's telling me I'm her miracle baby and trying to guilt me and stuff because I'm going to college or whatever. But truly, like, that can do so much damage. I'm, I, don't, I don't know why my mom stuck around in that church. Like, I, if, that, if someone said that to me, if I wasn't a pastor, if I was just a young couple and someone's trying to tell me, oh, you lack faith or obviously there's some secret sin that you don't. Uh, they haven't confessed or asked forgiveness for. I'm like, okay, what, what is, what are you talking about now? I'm probably going to bounce and see you later. That's only going to break down communities. I, I actually think there's like a deeper uh, evil with prosperity gospel in that it just tears apart communities because you can't deal with suffering. Like you're not capable as a community to gather together and deal with suffering and, and be there for each other. Cause all it turns into is, oh, obviously you're lacking in something. So I, I don't have to deal with your stuff. I can just point out that you're flawed and walk away and be done. No. When Jesus rebukes that full-throatedly says, who sinned, this blind man or his parents? Yeah. Uh, doesn't matter. <laughs> and, and then Jesus himself suffers. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this, is, this, is, this is a part of, of, of the existence that we have. And um, Jesus helps us in our suffering. Uh, he doesn't just take it away um, once we start believing him and following him. So I think that's a good way to finish so that. I think that's actually a good way to send us <laughs> off. Um, Cause we do try, I mean, we were kind of going after prosperity gospel and the preachers and themselves. And, but I mean, we, the, we as a church, we got to figure this out. We got to find better ways to give hope to people. That's genuine hope. Not this, oh, if you just give money or believe enough, everything will be perfect. Because Jesus said it wouldn't be perfect. He, he acts the very opposite as he went to the cross. Like, people are going to hate you because of me. Mm-hmm. So, um, but we got to figure this out and, and learn to love people without getting anything back. That's the biggest part is learning to have compassion just because it was given to us first. So, um, I mean, Josiah, do you, you want to say anything on as a send off or are you, do you want me to, to no, I don't have anything else necessarily aside from, uh, just a daily reminder. I say to my people, um, Jesus calls us to deny ourselves and to daily take up our cross and follow him. And that sounds like kind of the opposite of what <laughs> you might hear from some of these preachers. So maybe listen to Jesus more than the Turner Jesus broadcasting network, whatever it's called the TBN. I can't remember yeah. what it stands for. 
Trinity Broadcast. Trinity Broadcasting Network. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, so yeah, I guess with that we can just we can call this one good. Um, thank you for listening. Um, we hope you guys had a safe and good Halloween, and nothing you know, no one got possessed because they went trick or treating or anything. Oh. Um, <laughs> should I not have said that? Is that too much? <laughs> um, um, but thank you again for listening. And if you, I mean, this is a place where we're going to keep trying to have millennials on and we are going to keep trying to rotate the cast and figure out, you know, get more opinions out there, more ideas. Um, but keep coming back. And again, if you can, if you haven't yet listened to that, that conversation uh, that Ryan and I got to have with Jason, um, he seems, he's an awesome guy. I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, but there are people who are outside of the church for dumb reasons i'll just put it that way for for silly things that we as a church have continually perpetuated and it's sin and we need to find a way to do better so um but if you if you don't mind checking that out and again if you want to hear more from us and we're here mostly every week if we can make it work um and then we'll put out those yeah we'll put out those long forms so jason was the first of our our group he's our our quote none are done and then we'll have a season saint soon, a couple weeks maybe, and then uh, another millennial pastor. But keep coming back; we appreciate it. And yeah, hit us up on social media, whatever we got, all that stuff. What, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Anything else? I think besides? that's it. No, I think, that's, I think it. that's all of them. Do you guys have a TikTok? Yet? We no, really should you get run one. It? That would be funny, actually. <laughs> I've thought. About, I, I've seriously thought about. It. I, I don't have time to do it well, but I, I, I look at TikTok and go, man, I kind of miss Vine, but TikTok's kind of filling in that void. If, um, if I run a TikTok, it's, it's just going to be my kids saying silly things, and it'll just be named the Millennial Pastor <laughs> Podcast. So probably that have sounds a real great. Millennial. We maybe can even we'll uh, maybe just pass around the the login information that we can because we're all so spread out. We could just put random things. Okay, we'll That'd be, we'll, we'll <laughs> pray it would about be it. Chaos, but it would be great. We'll all right, pray well, about thanks it. again for listening. We're gonna we're gonna call it, but have a good day, night, whatever it is when you're listening. And thanks again for listening. Peace. Bye.